Section 4 of Personal Memoirs of U.S. Grant. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jim Clevenger. Personal Memoirs of U.S. Grant by Ulysses S. Grant. Chapter 4. Corpus Christi mexican smuggling spanish rule in mexico supplying transportation early in september the regiment left new orleans for corpus christi now in texas ocean steamers were not then common and the passage was made in sailing vessels at that time there was not more than three feet of water in the channel at the outlet of corpus christi bay the debarkation therefore had to take place by small steamers and at an island in the channel called shell island the ships anchoring some miles out from shore this made the work slow and as the army was only supplied with one or two steamers it took a number of days to effect the landing of a single regiment with its stores camp and garrison equipage etc there happened to be pleasant weather while this was going on but the land swell was so great that when the ship and steamer were on opposite sides of the same wave they would be at considerable distance apart the men and baggage were let down to a point higher than the lower deck of the steamer and when ship and steamer got into the trough between the waves and were close together the load would be drawn over the steamer and rapidly run down until it rested on the deck after i had gone ashore and had been on guard several days at shell island quite six miles from the ship i had occasion for some reason or other to return on board while on the suvia i think that was the name of our vessel i heard a tremendous racket at the other end of the ship and much and excited sailor language such as damn your eyes etc in a moment or two the captain who was an excitable little man dying with consumption and not weighing much over a hundred pounds came running out carrying a sabre nearly as large and as heavy as he was and crying that his men had mutinied it was necessary to sustain the captain without question and in a few minutes all the sailors charged with mutiny were in irons i rather felt for a time a wish that i had not gone aboard just then as the men charged with mutiny submitted to being placed in irons without resistance i always doubted if they knew that they had mutinied until they were told by the time i was ready to leave the ship again i thought i had learned enough of the working of the double and single pulley by which passengers were let down from the upper deck of the ship to the steamer below and determined to let myself down without assistance without saying anything of my intentions to any one i mounted the railing and taking hold of the center rope just below the upper block i put one foot on the hook below the lower block 
and stepped off just as i did so someone called out hold on it was too late i tried to hold on with all my might but my heels went up and my head went down so rapidly that my hold broke and i plunged head foremost into the water some twenty-five feet below with such velocity that it seemed to me i never would stop when i came to the surface again being a fair swimmer and not having lost my presence of mind i swam around until a bucket was let down for me and i was drawn up without a scratch or injury i do not believe there was a man on board who sympathized with me in the least when they found me uninjured i rather enjoyed the joke myself the captain of the suvia died of his disease a few months later and i believe before the mutineers were tried i hope they got clear because as before stated i always thought the mutiny was all in the brain of a very weak and sick man after reaching shore or shell island the labor of getting to corpus christi was slow and tedious there was if my memory serves me but one small steamer to transport troops and baggage when the fourth infantry arrived others were procured later the distance from shell island to corpus christi was some sixteen or eighteen miles the channel to the bay was so shallow that the steamer small as it was had to be dragged over the bottom when loaded not more than one trip a day could be effected later this was remedied by deepening the channel and increasing the number of vessels suitable to its navigation corpus christi is near the head of the bay of the same name formed by the entrance of the nueces river into tidewater and is on the west bank of that bay at the time of its first occupancy by united states troops there was a small mexican hamlet there containing probably less than one hundred souls there was in addition a small american trading post at which goods were sold to mexican smugglers all goods were put up in compact packages of about one hundred pounds each suitable for loading on pack mules two of these packages made a load for an ordinary mexican mule and three for the larger ones the bulk of the trade was in leaf tobacco and domestic cotton cloths and calicoes the mexicans had before the arrival of the army but little to offer in exchange except silver the trade in tobacco was enormous considering the population to be supplied almost every mexican above the age of ten years and many much younger smoked the cigarette nearly every mexican carried a pouch of leaf tobacco powdered by rolling in the hands and a roll of corn husks to make wrappers the cigarettes were made by the smokers as they used them up to the time of which i write and for years afterwards i think until the administration of president juarez the cultivation manufacture and sale of tobacco constituted a government monopoly and paid the bulk of the revenue collected from internal sources the price was enormously high and made successful smuggling very profitable 
the difficulty of obtaining tobacco is probably the reason why everybody male and female used it at that time i know from my own experience that when i was at west point the fact that tobacco in every form was prohibited and the mere possession of the weeds severely punished made the majority of the cadets myself included try to acquire the habit of using it i failed utterly at the time and for many years afterward but the majority accomplished the object of their youthful ambition under spanish rule mexico was prohibited from producing anything that the mother country could supply this rule excluded the cultivation of the grape olive and many other articles to which the soil and climate were well adapted the country was governed for revenue only and tobacco which cannot be raised in spain but is indigenous to mexico offered a fine instrumentality for securing this prime object of government the native population had been in the habit of using the weed from a period back of any recorded history of this continent bad habits if not restrained by law or public opinion spread more rapidly and universally than good ones and the spanish colonists adopted the use of tobacco almost as generally as the natives spain therefore in order to secure the largest revenue from this source prohibited the cultivation except in specified localities and in these places farmed out the privilege at a very high price the tobacco when raised could only be sold to the government and the price to the consumer was limited only by the avarice of the authorities and the capacity of the people to pay all laws for the government of the country were enacted in spain and the officers for their execution were appointed by the crown and sent out to the new el dorado the mexicans had been brought up ignorant of how to legislate or how to rule when they gained their independence after many years of war it was the most natural thing in the world that they should adopt as their own the laws then in existence the only change was that mexico became her own executor of the laws and the recipient of the revenues the tobacco tax yielding so large a revenue under the law as it stood was one of the last if not the very last of the obnoxious imposts to be repealed now the citizens are allowed to cultivate any crops the soil will yield tobacco is cheap and every quality can be produced its use is by no means so general as when i first visited the country gradually the army of occupation assembled at corpus christi when it was all together it consisted of seven companies of the second regiment of dragoons four companies of light artillery five regiments of infantry the third fourth fifth seventh and eighth and one regiment of artillery acting as infantry not more than three thousand men in all general zachary taylor commanded the whole there were troops enough in one body to establish a drill and discipline sufficient to fit men and officers for all they were capable of in case of battle 
the rank and file were composed of men who had enlisted in time of peace to serve for seven dollars a month and were necessarily inferior as material to the average volunteers enlisted later in the war expressly to fight and also to the volunteers in the war for the preservation of the union the men engaged in the mexican war were brave and the officers of the regular army from highest to lowest were educated in their profession a more efficient army for its number and armament i do not believe ever fought a battle than the one commanded by general taylor in his first two engagements on mexican or texan soil the presence of united states troops on the edge of the disputed territory furthest from the mexican settlements was not sufficient to provoke hostilities we were sent to provoke a fight but it was essential that mexico should commence it it was very doubtful whether congress would declare war but if mexico should attack our troops the executive could announce whereas war exists by the acts of etc and prosecute the contest with vigor once initiated there were but few public men who would have the courage to oppose it experience proves that the man who obstructs a war in which his nation is engaged no matter whether right or wrong occupies no enviable place in life or history better for him individually to advocate war pestilence and famine than to act as obstructionist to a war already begun the history of the defeated rebel will be honorable hereafter compared with that of the northern man who aided him by conspiring against his government while protected by it the most favorable posthumous history the stay-at-home traitor can hope for is oblivion mexico showing no willingness to come to the nooses to drive the invaders from her soil it became necessary for the invaders to approach to within a convenient distance to be struck accordingly preparations were begun for moving the army to the rio grande to a point near matamoros it was desirable to occupy a position near the largest center of population possible to reach without absolutely invading territory to which we set up no claim whatever the distance from corpus christi to matamoros is about one hundred and fifty miles the country does not abound in fresh water and the length of the marches had to be regulated by the distance between water supplies besides the streams there were occasional pools filled during the rainy season some probably made by the traders who traveled constantly between corpus christi and the rio grande and some by the buffalo there was not at that time a single habitation cultivated field or herd of domestic animals between corpus christi and matamoros it was necessary therefore 
to have a wagon train sufficiently large to transport the camp and garrison equipage officers baggage and rations for the army and part rations of grain for the artillery horses and all the animals taken from the north where they had been accustomed to having their forage furnished them the army was but indifferently supplied with transportation wagons and harness could easily be supplied from the north but mules and horses could not so readily be brought the american traders and mexican smugglers came to the relief contracts were made for mules at from eight to eleven dollars each the smugglers furnished the animals and took their pay in goods of the description before mentioned i doubt whether the mexicans received in value from the traders five dollars per head for the animals they furnished and still more whether they paid anything but their own time in procuring them such as trade such as war the government paid in hard cash to the contractor the stipulated price between the rio grande and the nooses there was at that time a large band of wild horses feeding as numerous probably as the band of buffalo roaming further north was before its rapid extermination commenced the mexicans used to capture these in large numbers and bring them into the american settlements and sell them a picked animal could be purchased at from eight to twelve dollars but taken at wholesale they could be bought for thirty-six dollars a dozen some of these were purchased for the army and answered a most useful purpose the horses were generally very strong formed much like the norman horse and with very heavy manes and tails a number of officers supplied themselves with these and they generally rendered as useful service as the northern animal in fact they were much better when grazing was the only means of supplying forage there was no need for haste and some months were consumed in the necessary preparations for a move in the meantime the army was engaged in all the duties pertaining to the officer and the soldier twice that i remember small trains were sent from corpus christi with cavalry escorts to san antonio and austin with paymasters and funds to pay off small detachments of troops stationed at those places general taylor encouraged officers to accompany these expeditions i accompanied one of them in december eighteen forty five the distance from corpus christi to san antonio was then computed at one hundred and fifty miles now that roads exist it is probably less from san antonio to austin we computed the distance at one hundred and ten miles and from the latter place back to corpus christi at over two hundred miles i know the distance now from san antonio to austin is but little over eighty miles so that our computation was probably too high there was not at the time an individual living between corpus christi and san antonio until within about thirty miles of the latter point where there were a few scattering mexican settlements along the san antonio river 
the people in at least one of these hamlets lived underground for protection against the indians the country abounded in game such as deer and antelope with abundance of wild turkeys along the streams and where there were nut-bearing woods on the nooses about twenty-five miles up from corpus christi were a few log cabins the remains of a town called san patricio but the inhabitants had all been massacred by the indians or driven away san antonio was about equally divided in population between americans and mexicans from there to austin there was not a single residence except at new braunfels on the guadalupe river at that point was a settlement of germans who had only that year come into the state at all events they were living in small huts about such as soldiers would hastily construct for temporary occupation from austin to corpus christi there was only a small settlement at bastrop with a few farms along the colorado river but after leaving that there were no settlements except the home of one man with one female slave at the old town of goliad some of the houses were still standing goliad had been quite a village for the period and region but some years before there had been a mexican massacre in which every inhabitant had been killed or driven away this with the massacre of the prisoners in the alamo san antonio about the same time more than three hundred men in all furnished the strongest justification the texans had for carrying on the war with so much cruelty in fact from that time until the mexican war the hostilities between texans and mexicans was so great that neither was safe in the neighborhood of the other who might be in superior numbers or possessed of superior arms the man we found living there seemed like an old friend he had come from near fort jessup louisiana where the officers of the third and fourth infantry and the second dragoons had known him and his family he had emigrated in advance of his family to build up a home for them End of section 4 Recording by Jim Clevenger, Little Rock, Arkansas, jim at jocclev.com